And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary, and today we have an incredible episode. I sat down with Sarah Gibbons. Sarah is ex-Amazon, ex-MySpace, ex-News Corp, and she has an incredible corporate career, but uh, she pivoted uh, into entrepreneurship, as many of my guests do, and I unpack her story how she started working with leaders who were at a certain point in their career where they weren't feeling, they didn't feel fulfilled. They felt like they were missing something, even though they had these accolades on paper. And she walks through how she works with leaders to actually find fulfillment and happiness in their career. We speak about leadership. We speak about self-awareness. We speak about how to follow your passions and to even understand what those passions are and then hold yourself accountable to actually achieving those things so that at the end of the day, you don't go through your entire life, wake up when you're 70, 80, 90, and realize that you've been doing something for your entire life that you aren't happy about or that you weren't satisfied with. So she has some great lessons for anybody that has reached that point in their career. And I was really happy to sit down with her and she just unpacked all this stuff that I think we usually just glance over when we're busy in our day-to-day lives, just doing, doing, doing. Anyways, really enjoyed the chat with her. I hope you enjoy it as well. Also, this episode is sponsored by Gusto. Gusto is the complete payroll solution provider. They have a special offer for everybody who's listening to the Success Story podcast. If you want to get rid of headache, admin work, payroll work, HR work in your business, stay tuned and you'll definitely want to try them out. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story podcast. All right. Thanks again for joining me today. I am sitting down with Sarah Gibbons. Sarah is a leading success coach. She works with creative executives and entrepreneurs in the arts and entertainment industry. She specializes in helping them thrive at the intersection of creativity and impact, how they actually can excel in their careers and with the people that they work with. Uh, Sarah's been featured by London Daily, Thrive Magazine, She just finished an interview with the world-renowned photographer Jeff Lipsky on her own Legacy Talk series. Uh, She's a digital media veteran. She's worked uh, for giants like Amazon, MySpace, that's throwing it back, and News Corp (laughs) in the early days, leading their sales team both domestically and in London. Uh, She's the mother of three boys, and she is obsessed with helping people live their legacy through refining their leadership. Basically, That is how people relate to each other, situations, and it's the only thing that we truly have control over when we build out our careers or our businesses. So I'm very excited to to walk through her career, 
especially with some of the names that she's worked for in the past and how she's pivoted from that into uh, entrepreneurship and also how she works with people and what she does for them because I want to dive into what success coach actually means and how it can be useful for people. Um, so Sarah, thank you very much for sitting down. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, I'm excited. Thanks for having me, Scott. We're going to have some fun. No, it's, yeah, no, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited. Let's dive into your background because I always like teeing up where you came from. Um, so Amazon, MySpace, and News Corp, uh, where did your career start? So I, I, I chalk it up to I was in the right place at the right time. So I'm from Seattle, and I ended up at a little company called Amazon, which also owns a company called IMDb. For those of you who are in the entertainment world, you know it as Internet Movie Database. And I was hired to be their advertising sales rep. And at the time, there was only one other ad sales rep. This was in 2000. And so that person's name is John Gibbons. He's now my husband, but of course he wasn't at the time. And so it was really the Wild West when you think about digital media back in 2000. And so I uh, was very much thrown into it. I had a bit of a sales background prior. And then coincidentally, you know, times were so different. I, I was at uh, Sundance Film Festival for work and ended up meeting the founders of MySpace. And we were all flying to LA the next day. And this relationship was taking off with this guy, John. And so I thought, God, I better part ways. So I was at Amazon for quite some time and then ended up going over to MySpace, which then became News Corp. And then the stars aligned and we both were able to go over to London. He opened an office for IMDb and um, I was able to go into the News Corp office over there in London and help manage those teams. And it was wild and phenomenal at the same time, but it was very much, um, I mean, online advertising back then, it wasn't something that was taught in school. And so I really uh, just figured it out. I mean, everything is sort of figure outable, but that's um, mm -hmm. how I got to. And then once I had my first child, I, I kind of always knew as much as I loved digital media and I loved the tech industry, I loved how fast it was. I was missing something that was more service oriented. And I've also, I love sales. I also like to beat to my own drum. And so I had the opportunity to, I met a, a gal who was over in London who happened to also be from the Seattle area and ended up helping her um, grow a company called Baby Chino Kids. And so I parlayed into entrepreneurship, got my feet wet there, left News Corp. And then a few years later, when we came back to the US, um, was recruited by some old uh, News Corp veterans, got back into digital media. And then I just, truthfully, I just knew as much as um, I loved the people I was working with. It's a very fast paced industry. I liked the, um, just the flexibility. And of course the, the money and all of that was there. Um, but there was something that was missing from a fulfillment standpoint. And that's where things started to started to turn and and I started a whole new new chapter and and what did that walk me through the the steps that you actually took because you had you had gone and you'd done some yeah I don't know what the term is side hustling while you were yeah. while you were working so I uh I started working actually my husband was working with a career coach and she was a phenomenal career coach she was coaching all the Sony execs at the time and so when he finished up with her, I said, well, 
I'll do some work with you. I didn't really know. I've always loved managing teams. And at the very end of our work, she said, would you consider checking out this program, getting a master's in spiritual psychology? And truthfully, I thought, oh my God, that sounds so woo-woo-y. This is going to be like a bunch of yoga teachers. And my ego was just having a fit. But anyway, she said, go check it out. And so I went, it, it was a program that had been going for over 20 years, 25 years here in Santa Monica, California. Um, it was run by, well, it's still going, Dr. Ron and Mary Holnick. And so I went, I was like, wow, this, this program, it's a two-year program. It's a master's in, in psychology. And it just um, really grabbed me, very experiential. But at the same time, the points around leadership really interested me. and so. I was pregnant with my third child. I went back to grad school and I was managing a sales team. I don't know how my marriage survived it, but it did. And at the very end of the two years, um, it became apparent that I did not want to go back into digital media, that I really, the part that loved me was always hearing people's stories, but also um, getting into people's leadership and really helping them see what's possible beyond what they were currently doing. So even if things looked really good on paper, I fundamentally believed that you could still feel a sense of fulfillment and a sense of joy. It didn't have to, um, you didn't have to have the experience that I had where just because it was good on paper, you couldn't want more. And so I, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, ended up after those two years, um, started my coaching business and then everything, I mean, it with a lot of trial and error um, to where I am now, but that was about, yeah, nine years ago. Good for you. That's a big, that's a big leap. That's very scary. Um, I always try and understand. Scary. Yeah. Very, very. Um, no, I always, (laughs) I always try and understand the mindset of people that like pivot into entrepreneurship and what Mm -hmm. triggers them to do something that is almost like, it's counter to the safety and the yeah. and the predictability of a career, and it's just interesting that you. So actually, what would what would you say that was for you? Yeah. What was the thing that triggered you? You said you took the cor- you took a course yeah. that you thought was a little bit at the be onset, a little bit airy fairy high level, but then you mm-hmm. actually found value in it. Um, yeah, I think it was a couple things. I believed in what I was learning. So first and foremost, I it woke something up in me, Scott, and I felt like if other people had access to these kind of tools, then they would experience a greater sense of fulfillment. I think for me, I have always been chasing a sense of aliveness. Ever since I was young, I would read obituaries and I would and I would sort of hmm. joke with my industry friends from digital media saying I don't want to get to the end of my life and feel like my obituary only says that I have been, you know, head of online advertising sales and et cetera. And so there was always this, I always had this thirst for growth. I had a thirst for impact and had a thirst for feeling a sense of aliveness. And so I think that, you know, that vision acted like a magnet and started to pull me through what were really difficult choices because you're right, leaving a corporate job is not easy. We had children at the time. We had a mortgage. We had, you know, just a lot of responsibility. But I also, for me, it also, I got really present to how I define success and that success didn't just look like 
material things. It didn't look like a really perfect CV, having all the good job titles and the big corporate companies that if it all came to an end, I knew I wanted to feel differently inside. And so that became the catalyst for me. I think also I worked in reality. So this is one thing I, I, I coach, you know, obviously I coach entrepreneurs. I spend time with some, you know, people who are really growing their coaching business. And one of the things I tell people is that we have to work in reality. So I, I think it's naive to, um, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs say, well, I'm just going to quit my job and then I'm going to start the side hustle and go for it. And that isn't always the most responsible thing. So, um, you know, for me, I was managing a sales team. I was coaching clients on the side until I got to a place where I felt like I could properly make the leap without jeopardizing my family and the contribution that I'd been making, um, you know, of course, financially. So it happened over time, but I was very much aware of a feeling that I was having inside and that feeling of aliveness was what I wanted more of. And, and you went after it. And I, I like the way yeah. that you phrased it, that having the perfect credentials on a CV or having uh, even a great paying job is not uh, success or fulfillment once you've achieved it for, you know, a significant period of time. And that's something that, and also, also, you know, it can be also, it can be fine for people too. It, it depends what yeah. that is. So, so what is fulfillment? This course you took, this two year course, was this identifying what actually drives you? in life? Is that what the end result yeah, so, is? Um, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I think from what I, one of the biggest lessons I got out of it was that most people are, look at success as very horizontal. So you mm -hmm. go to school, you um, get a job, maybe you get married, maybe you buy a house, etc. Yeah. When I went back and got my master's in spiritual psychology, it started to introduce to me a way of leading that used practical tools, particularly around communication, that helped me realize, okay, the way in which fulfillment works is through exponential growth, not through doing this thing that's on a horizontal line, which is what we're trained. And so when I started to play with that and I started to look at things like, what does it mean to live from my values? What does it mean to um, really connect with my own intuition and start to make choices that honor what I want versus these expectations that I had for myself based on parental influence, society influence, and all of that, I started to realize that I was relating to life in a very different way. And I think more than anything, what I got out of it was that I was, I don't like the word control, but that I had, um, a lot more influence over my life than I thought. So in most of us human beings, and I still very much have moments of this, we are very much at effect where we are at effect of our circumstances. Whereas when I went through my grad school program, what I got was there's an opportunity for me to really co-create my experience, whether it's with the universe, whether it's with God, whatever your belief is. Yeah. But it was so empowering because I realized, my gosh, I can create what I want as long as I get clear and I'm paying attention to my mindset and my intention and I'm taking action, what I know to be true is that the, then the universe meets you at the point of action. So it was just a very different way of experiencing life, but I gained very tangible tools that I now teach my clients 
um, really around communication and leadership. And so they're having very similar experiences. It doesn't mean that they're, um, by no means doesn't mean that they are getting out of their current jobs. I mean, some are, but many of them are staying in their current roles, but they're experiencing a level of fulfillment and impact that they didn't think was possible. So it's a very long way of saying, answering your question. It, no, it was a good answer. And the reason why I was, I was digging into that is because there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom there. Um, and I wanted to highlight that because I knew, I, I knew that you were going to go in this direction. Um, but that's <laughs> something, that's something that I think over the past two years, that, that feeling of losing control when we thought we had everything figured out in career, in life, gone. Right, completely yeah, gone. Yeah, not so and true. A very, COVID. A very practical uh, example would be people that have been in careers for thirty plus years that thought those careers were stable and laid off, furloughed, whatever, and that's no longer a thing. So, um, I appreciate what you're saying, and it's been, and I also, I've never heard it described the way you've des- described it just now, but I subscribe to a similar uh, outlook on life about control. You, I, I say control, I guess, a little bit more freely because I like to think that I. I can have some control over the mm-hmm. outcome with the, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a certain amount of input, um, then you can have some sort of control over the output. But that's, mm-hmm. I like that a mm-hmm. lot. And that's, that's what you, te- so that's, that's a perfect segue. So that's what yeah. you work with individual. And this is, this is what you do. This is what yeah. you this is, teach to people. This is what I do full time. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, the only thing we have control over is how we show up and relate to people. Mm-hmm. situations, events in our life. And so I am fascinated with that because what that where that got me thinking was all right, that what we're really talking about is leadership. Leadership as a way of being, not mm-hmm. leadership as this position, as a hat that we wear, as a title, as um, you know, as wake up in the morning I'm a leader and then I come home from work and I'm not a leader anymore. I realized it was like an epiphany, but that if I start to look at leadership, like we're all in leadership. Yes, some of us have titles where we manage people, but when we wake up in the morning, we show up and how we lead throughout the day and how we impact people, how we, how you and I converse, how I talk with a barista, how I speak to my children, how I work with my clients, that leadership is really my legacy. And so if it all were to end, I love knowing that your legacy doesn't have to be, you know, building a water well in Africa. Your, your legacy is how you show up and lead throughout the day. And so that got me really excited because I thought, wow, I have an opportunity here to really help people grow their leadership. Even if it's just by 4%, if we just shift it by a tiny amount, they're going to create different results. So I work with people. I have a boutique one-on-one business. So I work with um, a handful of clients there. And then I have several corporate groups. And then I have my own groups that I've put together um, based on, you know, I work with a group of dads, which I love. I work with a group of moms. And then I work with a group of executives. Uh, But it's all based on a principle and foundation that that I've created that's that's unique to my business called the board, called the boards. And yeah. so I have different boards groups for depending on who the audience is. I saw that I, when I was checking yeah. your website. And yeah. um, okay, so let's, uh, so I, I, I want to dig into that point you just touched on leadership. And obviously, 
so so great points. Um, leadership is not CXO. Leadership is is how you conduct yourself in your life. And I think that yeah. that mental shift or that lens that you look at leadership through is an important distinction. So what are what are some practical steps? Just for so we can we a lot of people mm -hmm. here are obviously executives, but also moms and dads. What would be yeah. some overarching step that people should yeah. try and take to be better leaders in their life and mm. envision and understand their impact? Yeah, I love that question. So one of the first think about leadership as who you be informs what you do. Mm -hmm. So if you are disgruntled, overwhelmed and anxious on the inside, then as you are doing whatever it is you need to do, that's the experience you're going to have. So one of the best ways to get really clear on who you are is to define your values. And it's amazing, Scott. I'll, I'll start working with clients and I'll say, okay, let's talk about your values. Do you know your values? And I'll say, yeah, yeah, I know my values. Okay, great. Tell me your values. And so you scratch the surface a little bit. They don't know their values. So for anybody who's watching, actually, you can go to my website. If you sign up for my email, I have put together a super simple turnkey guide to help you figure out your values. Everyone has around you know, five to seven values. And once you get clear on your values and you define them on your terms, then you have a very different experience. Because if you think about it, if you start to make decisions from your values, rather than expectations of what you think you should be doing or what you think your family should be doing, already you're going to have an experience that is much more in alignment with what matters to you. So for me, one of my top values is connection. So as I'm moving throughout the day, as well as impact, I'm asking myself, what value does this align with? If I need to make a decision, okay, is this in accordance with my values? That's a very different experience than, all right, what is it I need to get done today? What should I be doing? And so it allows people to feel so much more empowered. So I would say for anybody who's watching, the very first thing you could do if you did nothing else was get, get clear on your values, define them. And then start to play with what does it look like to live from your values? What does it look like to make decisions from your values? And you'll be amazed at the different kind of results you get both in the workplace and at home. Hey, Scott here. We're just going to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. This is a one-stop shop, one place you can go to take care of all the payroll issues, all the payroll stresses that you have to deal with as a business owner. Look, 2020 has been a rough year. We can all agree on that. And 2021 is pretty rough too. But if there's one thing that small business owners don't need is more headache. One thing that you've learned in the past year is that you have to focus on your business because Gusto isn't just built with business businesses in mind is built with the people who run businesses in mind. Their payroll system is the easiest to use, and I've used a lot over my career. Gusto automatically calculates paychecks. It files all of your payroll taxes. It also helps with time tracking, health insurance, and a ton of other HR nightmares that you just don't want to deal with. It also gives you access to HR experts who can help you. Super easy to get started and set up. The switching panes are nil. Why? Because they will move over all of your data for you. 94% of customers who switch to Gusto recommend Gusto as the best payroll solution they've ever used. And this is the offer you're waiting for. 
Anybody who's listening right now on the Success Story Podcast, you get three months free. This means you can try it without any stress. Go to gusto.com slash Scott. That's gusto.com slash Scott, and that will give you three months free to try it out for yourself. Play around with it. See if it works for your business. I'm almost positive it will. All right, let's get back to the show. And... I guess my question, because everybody, like you said, thinks they know their values. And even if they, they, even if they do have an understanding of what their yeah. values are, we slip. We slip all the time. Yeah, we do. I slip probably, you know, 200 times a day on, on, on I think I'm a good person. Yeah. I think I have good values, but something, you know, rubs me the wrong way and then yeah. I react. Or the conversation after the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is now, uh, you know, that the emotion that's gone to that conversation is a negative emotion, even though the person had no bearing on what actually triggered me in the mm-hmm. first place. These are very common human tendencies. Yes, um, they are. So how do you get rid of, how do you, how do you, how, yeah. what, what, also, what's the I answer? Tell you, um, so really great point what you said. So one of the biggest principles I got out of my master's program in spiritual psychology is that if, if we get triggered as human beings, it's an unresolved issue of, that belongs to us that's getting triggered. It actually has nothing to do with you. So if you are being disrespectful to me, it doesn't mean that you get a hall pass for being that way, but it's on me to look at, okay, why did that trigger me so much? Mm-hmm. So as a coach, one of the things that I do is I invest a lot in my own mentorship. So I work with a tre- team of coaches, which by the way, for anybody who's looking at a coach, you wanna make sure you're, the coach that you're working with is actually investing in themselves. One of the best tools is called completion. And it's a process where you are getting complete on your side of the fence of what you're bringing to the table. So the ultimate goal is if you've got energy on you, Scott, about something, that is going to carry over into how you show up and relate to someone. So you want to take on a very practical exercise, which is called completion. It involves writing three different letters. It takes no more than 20 minutes. But what it does is it helps you um, first and foremost, express what's there for you, whether you're mad, you're frustrated, you're upset, whatever it is, get it all out. Then it's about taking a look at, okay, what's there for me to own? What can I be responsible for? And then the third piece is around what can I acknowledge both the other person and both for me. And sometimes I have to do completion multiple times around the same situation or the same person, but it is truly the only tool that I have learned that my coaches have taught me. If I want to be able to come into a situation and feel neutral so that I can approach it from the, a very um, clear leadership, then that's, that's on me to get complete. And it doesn't require anyone to apologize to me. It's, it's, it's really on me. And I think that's, you know, if, if, people went around in the world getting complete on their own stuff. So they weren't lobbying their own stuff over to other people. We would have very different experiences throughout the mm-hmm. day. Cause you're right. We're human beings. It's not that we're, we, we go through the day and it's not that we're in leadership 24 seven. It's that we fall out of leadership. And what I always say to my clients, it's like, how quickly can you get back into leadership rather than withdrawing for a day or getting into it with a colleague and, you know, going down that mm-hmm. rabbit hole. Great question. And I love that. I, and I, I, I keep wanting to, you know, just re- double down on the fact that this this definition of leadership is truly changing who you are to be a better person. That's that's really that's right. the end goal. That's and 
and that actually, you know, when, when we first connected, one of the things I wanted to speak to you about was coaching as, as a concept. Yeah. Of course, uh, when you, when you look at it through that lens, when you look at the ability to become a better person in everything you do, it's not hard to understand why that could be a good thing to subscribe mm -hmm. to, but let's, let's speak about, um, let's speak about coaching and as opposed to me just going on, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I don't go on YouTube and I don't investigate this, but say, say I, I need to be sold on, on coaching, right? I yeah. just, uh, well, why would I pay somebody to teach me this when I can just go figure it out myself? Yeah. So, you know, that's something that I think always comes up with coaches because people need to, people need to buy into it. They've either already bought mm -hmm. into it or a lot of people will say, I, I have no need for that. That's not going to mm -hmm. positively impact me. They, they, and you know, it's funny because people get a personal trainer, but I know they, but I think it's a physical, like they see the physical result and how do you mm -hmm. measure the ROI on a coach? How do you measure, how do you measure whether or not a coach, I, th I don't think anybody would shirk, uh, like a good coach or somebody that can actually help mm -hmm. them, but how do you sell somebody or how do you not sell somebody? How do you prove to somebody that you can actually help them mm -hmm. impact their life? <sighs> Oh gosh, such a great question and so many places that we could that we could go with it. I'm just thinking where I want to start with this. Yeah, I think from you, you deal with it. You you live it every day. Yeah, I do. You know, the coaching industry has become one of the biggest industries where mm -hmm. money is spent. And at the same time, the bar is so low that anybody can get into coaching, which is dangerous because it can create an integrity issue. And so I, I can't speak for other coaches. I can only speak for myself and why, why I invest in coaching and why my people invest in coaching. And I think at the end of the day, it's because we, by nature, want to be comfortable. We don't want to feel any sense of discomfort. If you are wanting to deepen your connection with clients in service to doubling your bottom line, if you are wanting to create a bigger impact, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life, any of those goals are going to require you to do something and behave differently than you're currently doing. In order to do that, you're going to have to feel uncomfortable. We don't like to feel uncomfortable. A, I know for me, and I joke with my clients, but I truly believe at the end of the day, the reason that they pay me isn't necessarily for accountability. It's because I'm willing to say things to them that nobody else would say. Mm -hmm. So for example, a couple of years ago, I was in an enrollment conversation um, with one of the top creative, executive creative directors in the country. He's just an unbelievable human being, but his work is out of this world. And he kept repeating this story. And finally, I just looked at him and I said, can I give you a reflection? And he said, yes. And I said, I am so bored by the story. If I'm <laughs> bored by it, you must be bored by it. And he laughed and he said, you're the first person that has told me they're bored by it. He said, I'm so bored by it. But it was a story in an event that happened in the news that he was a part of a company that had a huge issue with. 
And he said, he hired me on the spot. I mean, that's when the conversation changed and Mm. we started to talk about what would it look like to work together. So I truly believe people who value growth by nature will be interested and will want to consider coaching. But really the role of a good coach is to keep reflecting back to clients what they're seeing in their way of being. And we all know this, but our relationship to feedback, including my own, and I've done a lot of work around feedback, that is not easy to hear or work with. And so it's less about, okay, here's the program we're going to work and here's what we're going to do every week. It's like, no, let me tell you what I'm noticing right now in your presence. Let me tell you what I'm noticing in your tone. Let me tell you what I'm seeing. And so that kind of level of work requires a whole different um, type of leadership if you want to have a different experience in the physical world, but also internally. So, And that's what, you know, it's funny. I think that half of, of finding the right coach is having the right mindset going into it. Um, mm-hmm. Like anything mm-hmm. in life, the success is dependent on, again, your own, your own input, right? But Completely agree. Having that mindset and being able to listen to that feedback and accepting it and wanting to incorporate that into your daily habits and your life, that's, that's somebody that's going to be, that's, that's somebody in my opinion that's going to be quite successful regardless of what. I would totally agree. There has to be a sense of willingness to want to be curious. They don't, you don't have to come in with already being vulnerable and already being brave but the I see my role is I am constantly flexing my client's range of being able to sit in the discomfort. And the more mm-hmm. that you widen your range and you're able to sit in the discomfort when circumstances aren't what you want, that's when you're going to, leadership happens in the moment. That's when you're going to grow your leadership. And that is when you're going to start to experience more of what you want, but you're right. There has to be a willingness. I had my, for the first time I had a client leave one of my groups, wildly bright client, lovely human being. Her relationship to feedback just didn't jive with the way in which I coach. That's okay. It's not a make wrong, Mm -hmm. but there has to be a willingness there that really, um, you know, really starts with the person, not necessarily with the coach. Mm-hmm. No, very interesting. Uh, um, so let's so let's sort of finish on this note for people that have been have been listening, and then I'll ask you a, a couple rapid fire yeah. questions that I like to get out of people. But uh, any any last advice for people that have uh, ever thought of, because I know that people that are listening to this, yeah. if they've if they've thought about a coach this will be something that will sort of get them to investigate further. If they, if they have no interest, like you said, if there's no willingness, you're not going to, mm-hmm. you're not going to convert that person to somebody that's probably going to look into it today, maybe in a couple months from now, but if there was never any willingness, then it's probably not going to change their opinion. So I would say that for people that do want to look into this more, those are the people that obviously, uh, those are the people that you want to guide down the right path. What are things that they should or shouldn't, uh, what they should be looking for or what they should stay away from when they're looking for a coach? Yeah, great question. So if I understand it correctly, what should people look for if they're looking for a coach? Yeah, but also like red red flags, I guess. So things yeah, that, like you said, there's yeah. a low barrier to entry. 
Um, there's a lot. So, so I think if you are clicking on ads on any social media and there's a coach talking about <laughs> how they grew six or seven figures in a year, I would say that's a red flag. I think choosing a coach um, requires really also trusting your intuition. And, and at the same time, it's a relationship that has to go both ways. So I know mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time in conversation with people, really getting them and wanting to understand what's working in their life and what isn't working in their life. So I will spend, sometimes I spend several months with someone. Sometimes it's over the course of a couple of years before we start working together. So I don't think it's something that you rush into. Um, I know for, uh, for me, what's important because I invest in my coaching is that I want to work with coaches who invest in their own leadership. So there's the running of a coaching business, and then there's your coaching skills. The one that's really important to me is working with a coach who you know is constantly investing in their own coaching skills. Because at the end of the day, you can't, I believe, you can't take a client somewhere that you've never been. So if I have not worked in my own discomfort and and my own level of vulnerability and my own level of with relationship to feedback, it's going to be very difficult then for me to take someone where they need to go. So I would say, do your research, um, take a look at what, you know, ask, you know, coaches that you're in conversation with, what kind of coaching, or do you work with a coach, you know, for starters and start to get clear. The other thing is I think what also gets what stops people is that, and I hear this a lot, both from men and women, I don't know what I want. I just don't know what I want. And then we get stuck in the how. I would say, don't stop there. Don't let that get in the way of you pursuing a conversation with a coach. I know for me, I spend a lot of time with my clients, helping them get clear on what that vision is. What would it look like for you to use your God-given talents? What would it look like to be in a relationship where you really feel heard and seen and connected? That vision out here and then looking at where you are, then it's the job of the coach to close that gap. But I think that's one of the places where um, if getting into a conversation with a coach and, and assessing, you know, how do we work together? What does this feel like? Does this, do I feel uncomfortable? Cause if you do in a good way, that that's a positive thing. If, if you're in conversation with a coach and feel like um, they're not challenging you and it's easy peasy, I don't think that's going to get you the results that you want. So it's a, um, it's a process. And at the same time, it's, it requires both, people to really do do their homework good very good yeah um okay so let's do a couple rapid fire just to pull okay. out some things from your career for people that are listening um what was the uh this is a little bit of a a little bit of a, a pivot um so yeah. what was the biggest challenge in in your career entrepreneurial or otherwise that you overcame and how did you do that The biggest challenge for me was when I moved to London and all of a sudden I was managing a team of Europeans and I was an American and I had to learn not only how to put deals together with different currencies, but I had to learn how to work with a team that all represented different cultures. And that's where I noticed my leadership 
more than anything really mattered. If I, I needed to have a connection very quickly with this team, I needed to build trust with this team. The rest of the stuff would come with time, but I had to invest full on into the connection and the trust so that we could operate as a team and not just a bunch of superstar individuals trying to sell. So I think that for me was, I mean, it was challenging, but at the same time, it was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wildly rewarding. Very good. Um, what's one person who's a mentor who's taught you something in your life that you're thankful for, but also what is the thing that they taught you? Oh my gosh. Um, can it be someone who's not alive anymore? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It could be anybody. Okay, great. Anybody. So yeah. I reflect a lot on my grandfather. It was my mother's dad. And the reason is because he had a lot of accolades. He went to MIT. He was head of international of engineering at Boeing. But what I got from him was really his values. And his values were unique to him. But they stood out so much to me that that is what I, more than anything, that's what I really experienced for him. So when I think about his legacy, while he did amazing things in the world, in the physical world, what I loved so much was this idea of living with a service-oriented heart, um, mm -hmm. valuing connection, both with colleagues and family, um, valuing connection with the environment. And so it just really became apparent to me that all the doing out there that I can do is wonderful, but what people are really going to remember is how I show up and and relate to them and the impact that I have on them. And so I think about that all the time. And I, and I really think that came from the relationship that I had with him, but also watching him and how he interacted with people. And I think it's sort of a lost, a lost art because we now live in a world that is so focused on mm -hmm. the physical world and, and what people are doing. And, you know, it just doesn't carry weight compared to that. No, it's, I, I understand. Uh, it's I understand like how that could be impactful, especially because you're right. We're we're in a we're in a we're more connected than ever before, but yet we're also more distant. I find than ever before. So, so true. Yeah, it's such interesting. A, yeah, um, it is. Okay, what's one lesson you would tell your twenty year old self? Oh my gosh! Stop trying to get it right. You know, you can always course correct, but trying to get it right limits experiences. It limits your own potential. And at the end of the day, it's, you can, you can always course correct. And I think I, you know, spent a lot of time trying to do the right thing. And I'm finding now in my business, I'm much more courageous. And I've certainly made mistakes and had programs that haven't worked. And now I just can look at it. And, you know, my one thing I tell my team is, it's fine if we make mistakes, as long as we harvest the gold from it, and we identify it and we learn from it, then it's all good. So I would think just, you know, stop trying to get it right. I love that. What does that even mean um, to get it right? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's a good point. What, what is, what yeah, is right? What is it? You yeah. know, you know, it, you're always yeah. going to be doing new things, trying new things, learning new things. Yeah. There's no, there's no finish line in life. You're always, no. you're always doing different and more and whatever. Yeah. Um, 
uh, what's a, uh, a resource, a podcast or a book that somebody should go check out that's impacted you? Oh my gosh. This is like, you know, when someone asks you what your favorite movie is and you're like, oh, yeah. ah, you draw a blank. Um, oh, I have so many books, you know? Okay. Well, I have one sitting on my desk right now. So I'll just roll with this one. I go back to this book all the time. Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. You know, I love, love that book. Um, there's a whole phenomenal section on leadership books that you can, you know, that you can get. But I also think I read a lot of memoirs and Brandy Carlisle is one of my favorite, favorite singers. I grew up in Seattle, so I've done work, you know, I've known her for 20 years. And even her memoir that came out this year, this spring called Broken Horses, there's amazing lessons in it. And so I guess what I would say to people is that if you are someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy reading like a tactical book with tools and habits, that's fine. Pick up a memoir, pick up a book, you know, a memoir or something, and just look at someone's leadership and how they show up and interact with their life. There's beautiful lessons in that. Or Michelle Obama's book is a great example of another book where just exquisite lessons. And so I am a slow reader, but I like to try to read 15 minutes every day. And I find just by doing that, it expands my, just my thinking and gets my creativity going. And so um, I'm noticing all your books back there. And I mean, there's just so many out there. I have there lots are, of resources. Lot. You can go to my website and, and, and look at my books. But I will say, I generally always have Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book out on my desk. And um, it's, it's, it's a go-to, especially for my, you know, my creative world that I yeah. work with. Very good. Yeah. And and last question: What does uh, what does success mean to you? I feel successful at, throughout the day if I am staying true to my values. If I am out of integrity with my values, then I won't feel like a success. And mm. so. I keep my values on a note card next to me or I'm actually in my husband's office today, but if I'm in my office, I've got them behind my, you know, behind my computer. But I know for me, if I'm living from connection and my faith and impact and service, that I am going to feel a sense of aliveness. So I guess at the very end of the day, I'm looking at the sense, a sense of aliveness. For me, one of the worst experiences would be to get through my life and feel like I was either bored or underutilized, not using my God-given talents, and that I was just asleep at the wheel. And so when I say that out loud, I realize it has nothing to do with owning a house, mm -hmm. the kind of car I drive, the amount of money. Now, it's not to say that I don't like nice things. I, of course, I love nice things. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't. Um, I love making money. I always have. That's why I've stayed in sales. But it's... I'm been doing this long enough working in the real world to know that that's not what's going to make me a success or feel successful. Um, but if I'm in alignment with my values, then good. I feel pretty, I, I feel pretty darn good. You're very, you're very self-aware, which is, uh, that's, that's one of the, the one thing. You tell I, my I, husband that Scott, cause <laughs> <laughs> plenty of moments where he's like, remember what you do for a living? Um, so I appreciate that. I can be a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black. I am the first to say, like any of my clients or like the coaches I work with, um, 
I, my humanity is my humanity and I make mistakes, but I will say I have a very strong toolkit that allows me to take a look at what I can be responsible for. But I, I too have my blind spots, but I have coaches that are reflecting back to that to me all the time. And it's super uncomfortable, but I love it because the more that I, the more that they help me see the water I'm swimming in, the more that I can be of service to my clients or my boys or my husband or my family. So, um, but I appreciate that, but it's a work in progress, but I I do commit to it. It's something that I'm proud of, um, but I, I put a lot of work and intention into it for sure. No, it shows. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the, the one of those traits that indic- is a is a, a leading indicator for success that when people yeah, are that's very great... self-aware. Yeah, that's a really great point. You're you're right. We uh I guess I'm a little I guess I'm a little jaded because I work with people all day who by mm-hmm. nature are are committed to becoming self-aware, so I've kind of forgotten, but then all I have to do is get on the 405 and have mm-hmm you know, someone cut me off and then I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm spiraling out. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm just like everybody else. All right. Yeah. Um, most importantly, where do people go and connect with you? Your, your website, yeah. your socials. Yes. Yeah, so go to my website. It is sarahgibbons.co, not.com. And then of course you can connect with me at, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I do, um, legacy talks. My Instagram is Sarah Gibbons co. Uh, I have a legacy talk coming up this Wednesday. They are a, a live talk series that I do once a month. It's a, and the whole intention behind those conversations are to experience people's legacy and leadership in the moment. So mm-hmm. they're really fun and it's a really great opportunity to see the results of the coaching work that I do, but also to uh, ask questions and be a part of a really cool conversation. So follow me on social Drop me a line at my website, and I'm always up for having a conversation. If someone is listening and wants to learn more about coaching and experience my coaching, um, we'll get you in my diary and time set up. But please um, don't sit there and and you know feel anxious or overwhelmed or underutilized because I really am here to to help you if if you want it. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. 
efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials, but here's the 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 